Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What is good, everybody? Happy Victory Monday to you. You can see if you're watching on the stream, I got the Victory Monday shirt on. You got the, oh, you got the homage shirt, Fish? Yes, I, I realized, I knew you would be wearing your Victory Monday homage shirt, so I felt like when you show your shirt off to the camera in the first 15 seconds, I wanted to show off my shirt to the camera, too. There you go. If you want to get these shirts, by the way, there's a link to Homage, the website where we got them. Just click the link and it'll take you right to the 49ers page. You can order them for yourself. It is a victory Monday. The Niners are 2-0. This is under review. If you've never watched the show before, this is where we take a second look at the Niners game on Sunday. And Vish, I haven't heard any of your reaction from the game, but I'll just give you my reaction quickly. Rewatching the game today, I was very positive in the instant reaction show last night. Watching it again, I think they played a lot worse than I thought they did on Sunday. They still won, but but they did not have their best game for sure. No, they didn't have their best game for sure. And before we get into it, because we'll spend a lot of time detailing a lot of individual plays and maybe overanalyzing them to some. So I wanted to just make a couple of big picture points. One, I think that was a good win overall. It wasn't the cleanest win, but the Niners did two things. One, they didn't beat themselves and give that game away. They didn't turn it over. They didn't have penalties that lost that game for them. And then two, it's a division game on the road. I know it's a team in the division that we all expected them to beat, but it's still a division game on the road. That's a difficult victory in the NFL. And they went and won that game. And they won that game having to flip a switch 
going into half being like, damn, it's 17-17 versus yep. a team that we felt like we were supposed to dominate. And they were able to switch that flip or flip that switch, not switch <laughs> that flip, um, flip that switch and do exactly what they needed to to win that game. They were able to turn off the outside noise, whatever, and make the necessary plays to come out on top. But you're right. I, I, when you look at the talent discrepancy on paper, I think a lot of us felt like, hey, the Niners are just so much more talented than the Rams. Going through that game, to me, it didn't feel like it was a talent discrepancy. It was really just an experience discrepancy. When it came down to it, the high-level execution of the football game, the Rams' young players started making mistakes that the 49ers' seasoned veteran players did not make. And that, to me, was really the difference in the game. And I'm kind of interested to see how this Rams season goes because I feel like I was already wrong about projecting that football team coming into the year. And these two teams play again week 17. And I think McVay, Raheem Morris, they've got a phenomenal staff. And they've got a bunch of talented, intriguing players on both sides of the ball that I'm not going to be shocked if they're much better when these two teams play again week 17 in Santa Clara. Joes are watching on my Twitch page at Stats on Fire says, sup, Rob, at work. Just wanted to stop by and say good win, ready for Thursday. Appreciate everybody not doing their jobs and watching us. We always enjoy that. <laughs> There were a couple of plays to talk about like execution, the young plays of the Rams that went the Niners way. And one of them I thought was crucial. It's first and 10 at the 49ers 19 yard line for the Rams. It's 27, 17. So it's a 10 point game. There's about seven and a half minutes left in the game. It's first down Rams drop back to pass and Stafford sees that there's nobody deep on the left side of the field for the Niners. So he throws the ball deep thinking that his receiver is going to see that also and break deep for a touchdown except the receiver doesn't do that, and it goes incomplete. And because there was pressure on the play, Stafford gets flagged for intentional grounding. So instead of it just being a touchdown or second and 10 at the 19-yard line, it becomes second and 21 at the Niners' 30-yard line. Completely changed the possession. Rams had to settle for a field goal. That obviously changed a lot about the rest of that game because, again, there was about seven and a half minutes left. That was a, a sneaky big play, Vish. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought it up. First of all, I, I spent last week, I took a 30 seconds to rip on Daryl Johnston because he did the commentary. I love Mark Sanchez doing the commentary. I think Mark Sanchez is fantastic, and Mark Sanchez did a very nice job highlighting that for all of us during the game. Yep. The Rams had been constantly running that dagger concept to the backside or to the front side off a three-by-one where it would be a combination of a seam, the dagger out, so the big in, and then they would run a hitch right underneath it and have a high-low read. The yes. Niners linebackers were constantly getting depth on the dagger out, and so they were trying to excite convert that hitch into swirl out of the hitch, a double move, and just go to the back pylon. It was a really, really smart adjustment. It seemed like McVay and Stafford made that adjustment, and whatever for whatever reason, that adjustment didn't get to Tutu Atwell. That would have been a walk-in touchdown if Tutu Atwell makes that adjustment. He didn't, and to me, that goes back to, hey, these are young football players. This is Tutu Hatwell's first moment there, and he made a young player's mistake that yeah. if we're comparing the two teams, at the end of the day, the Niners veteran players showed their experience and poise by not making those type of crucial errors. The other crucial error was Kyron Williams. Ball hits him right on the shoulder pad, and that turned into an interception for the Niners, very fortuitous bounce. Though You're absolutely right. Those were the two differences in the football game when you really look at it, which is somewhat surprising because I think we expected the dis differences to really be in terms of talent and coaching. Another sneaky play that I think was important actually happened immediately following the intentional grounding possession. So the Niners get the ball back. It's a seven-point game. 
right? Mm-hmm. There's about just over seven minutes left. First and 10 at the 32-yard line. Shanahan calls a swing pass to Debo Samuel. Super conservative, right? Debo mm-hmm. breaks a bunch of tackles. He's fighting for more yards. And I'm not 100% sure, Vish, but I think the ball comes out and the Rams recover. Yeah, I thought it was right, a fumble. It's a Right fumble. by the sideline. It's a seven-point game. And again, it was at the Niners' 33-yard line. And I'm begging the 49ers, hurry up to the line, hurry up to the line, snap the ball, snap the ball. Don't let him challenge us because I think there's a good chance it's a fumble. And then, holy crap, the Rams are they set up. Timeout. And then the Niners called the timeout. And yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? You're giving the Rams even more time to look at the replay. And I'm stunned, Vish, that McVay did not challenge it. Were you surprised that he didn't challenge that? So I was, but... I never. They never showed us the recovery. They kept showing us the angle of the fumble, but did I think it was Hoyt? Did Hoyt recover that ball in bounds? Was the question, and that's the one thing I never knew. So, uh, yeah, I was surprised that he didn't challenge it for sure, given how quickly he challenged earlier in the game. But right, we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, so, you know, what? I need to, I'd like to go back and watch again. Cause I, I thought I remember in the broadcast, the Rams clearly had the ball. It was right by the sideline. But if, if they yeah, did cover it in bounds though, cause if right, that part would be of him good... is touching out of bounds. Then it's just out of bounds. Yeah. That would be a good reason not to challenge if you're McVay. Those plays to me, and they were not one right after another, but the series, uh, you know, adjacent series there, I really thought those were big, big plays that could have easily gone against the 49ers. There were a few, a, a bunch of plays in this game that easily could have gone the other way. And the Niners just, they were not sharp everywhere yesterday. They did not come out sharp, especially the defense early on. I'm old Greg. Thank you for the super chat says, if this is a quote, bad game for young Brock Purdy, I think that's really promising for him. Dude is going to keep learning and keep getting better. This was the worst game I think Brock has played with the 49ers. And again, you know, no turnovers, ran the ball uh, for a touchdown at the end of the first half, you know, managed the game. But I think this was Brock's worst game. I don't know if I would call it his worst game. Um, I think the game got closer he left 14 points on the board, Vish. Sure, but the, uh, the you look at the first half versus Dallas, the first half versus Seattle in the playoffs, it's close. First half versus Seattle, there's a lot of throws left on the field that could have been huge plays, yeah, huge but points too. There was a second so, half of that game too. Oh, absolutely. Four quarters of this game were not sharp for Brock. See, I thought he was sharp early in this game. I thought he came out playing really, really well. And then they his first incompletion on that, I okay, I thought Brandon Ayuk caught that. 
McVay was quick to challenge it. I thought Brandon Ayuk caught that. They say that ground, they said it. They said it on the broadcast too, and I, I, and that confirmed it for me. They said that there's no rule with having to maintain the process through the ground and all of that. Well, he secures the ball and he's on the ground, and then the ball gets ripped out of him. So you're telling me that's not a catch? That was BS. But either way, that was his first incompletion. Up to that point, I think he was like 8 of 8 or 9 of 9, and he made some really good throws, specifically the 3rd and 7 early in the game where he hits Brandon Ayuk on the inbreaker. I, I think that what really affected the offense in general was the Rams' dominated time of possession. They were going on these 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 play drives, keeping the Niners' defense on the field wearing him out. Stafford was standing in the pocket and making great decision after great decision, manipulating zone underneath defenders to create opportunities. And he was playing big time football. Puka and Kua is kind of a beast. He's kind of a stud. They, it looks like they got Cooper Cup, Walmart Cooper Cup over there to pair with <laughs> Cooper Cup. So it's like a That's weird good. thing. But um, um but I thought it was mainly those type of things. I don't know that it was his worst game, but I also don't know that if it's his worst game, it's not so bad because I don't know that many teams that the 49ers can leave 14 points on the board and let it just fester and not have it affect them later in the game. I think it also helped that they played this Rams team that's playing so many young players that's so young, so inexperienced and wasn't ready or poised to deal with having to face a Super Bowl contender in a tight game in the fourth quarter. The Niners were very equipped for that moment, and the Rams weren't. But I, I don't think we're projecting the Niners for how they're playing against the Rams. And when you're missing those two throws, specifically the double move to Ayuk, which, I mean, it's a, Shanahan said after the game, it's his first read. Ayuk beat the guy by four or five yards. The safety <laughs> is trailing on the play. That's a walk-in. Put yep. in your back pocket, touchdown. You're not going to get that many easier than that. And he missed it. And then he gets to the backside of the progression, which is really good. Rarely did we see Jimmy Garoppolo get all the way from the front side of the backside. But he's got Debo running wide open on a post with leverage. And there's no safety in the middle of the field. That's a walk-in. Every quarterback should put it in their back pocket type throw. And he missed that as well. You can't miss those type of throws in a game where the margin for error is smaller. And in this game, the Niners didn't have such a large margin of error. That's why they were able to overcome some of the sloppy errors that you pointed out early in the game. I just think it's funny. There's two reactions going on. There's there's this reaction from Mo. Brock made the right perfect reads. He just missed the throws. It's okay. No, it's not. You got to have both in order to make those plays. Mm -hmm. Who cares that he saw the reaction? Like, come on. It's this not is, this is this room. This is how I used to compliment Trey Lance. Like. You've got to just miss the throw. Right. Which, I mean, Trey Lance is, yeah, he was super inexperienced. And Brock is more experienced, still not that experienced. But, like, I'm not just going to say, well, it's okay because he saw the read, which is kind of what Kyle Shanahan said after the game. Like, no, you still have to hit the throw. Um, but then the other reaction is Brock is terrible. See, he's mid. He's this. He's that. He doesn't have the arm. It's not it. Like, why can't we just say Brock did not have his best game? But it's not a referendum on his career. It doesn't mean he'll never be good, isn't good, never was good. Like, it's just an off game, not his best game. And the Niners still put up 30 points, by the way. Mm -hmm. And he made a couple of nice throws late, specifically the one on leak to Jennings. Yep. It was a good throw. That was and, a good throw. And he had a nice throw right before that. They ran that Tyreek Hill motion wide in for Debo Samuel. 
Yes. He threw it a little bit low. It was a hell of a catch to Debo, but he, that, that ball had some heat on it. A little bit more heat than I think what we're used to expecting. But at the same time, regardless of how his arm is, regardless of whether his arm is strong enough, all of that, to me, starting NFL quarterbacks should put both of those throws in their back pocket and say, those are two touchdowns. Thank you very much. Move along. And I think he, the, I think he did good things in that game. Specifically, one, he didn't turn the football over or really put it in harm's way. That was massive throughout the entirety of the football game. I don't want to take credit away from that, especially on the road against the division team. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we can also acknowledge, hey, Brock Purdy, those are two throws that every quarterback should put in their back pocket, and he did it. Waltony101, watching on my Twitch page, at Stats on Fire, if you want to follow me there. Regarding the deep shots, Brian Baldinger made a good point that his pass to Debo that was called uh, defensive pass interference before halftime was perfect, and it was. That is a good point. He put, it, he put the ball in the perfect spot. Probably would have been a touchdown if Debo wasn't mm -hmm. interfered with. This is my theory, Vish, and you tell me if it's crazy or not. Brock Purdy, to me, has already demonstrated an ability to work on his mechanics. Before the draft, he worked on his mechanics a lot. It really helped him get a little extra juice out of his arm, and it helped just tighten things up with his throwing motion. Because he's not the most physically gifted thrower we've ever seen, his mechanics, to me, need to be on point in order for him to be accurate and to get enough oomph on the ball to get it where it needs to go. Well, what is the one thing he could not do this offseason because of the injury? He could not work on his mechanics at all because he was constantly rehabbing the elbow, trying to get back in time for the start of the season. And I think there were a couple of times yesterday, Mark Sanchez pointed it out, where his footwork and his mechanics were a little wonky, and he, was, he wasn't accurate from, I think, you know, most of the day. Even though it was a throw to Kittle early on that was behind yeah. Kittle had to reach back for. That was the first play of the game. Yeah, he just wasn't totally, you know, there. And I think it's because he hasn't been able to work on his mechanics and eight months well he did spend the entire mid part of the offseason the time between mini camp and training camp back in florida working with will hewlett doing what he does on his mechanics and maybe uh, he could he, be right he was because of the right because of the injury per, for sure but i i look the the throw you're talking about that third and two and missed to debo that might have been the most egregious miss of the game just because it was a one-step slant and debo had darion kendrick gone and if he puts that on Debo, it's Debo, the post safety in the open field. Who knows? Debo <laughs> might have scored on that play. But um, the thing I, I, I felt more like the Ayuk play is more about timing. It's not necessarily the it's the timing of when Ayuk runs his double move and you're putting that ball in a certain trajectory so that he can get out there. I thought that the timing might have been missed. And this was something that perhaps we discussed with him not getting enough training camp reps earlier when we didn't know what the exact timeline of his injury would be, would his timing be off? For the most part, his timing has been very good and he's thrown with anticipation. I think he just flat out missed the throw. And then the Debo one, specifically, you could be right on the mechanics because Shanahan gave him that excuse, right? So much of this offense, when we talk about quarterbacks, is tying feet to process. So there's a rhythm to their feet on how they want them to progress through their progression. So when he gets through the front side, his feet need to be in a certain spot to be able to throw to the backside. That's why they do that bag drill that got a lot of attention this mm -hmm. offseason, because they want your base to always be in a position to throw. So when the pocket's collapsing, when people are around you with your feet, your feet are still there to make that throw. And I think that um, particularly on the Debo play, maybe his feet weren't in the right spot or something like that. I don't even know, yeah. but I'm just yes. saying that just because he was getting from the front side to the back side, his 
the rhythm of his feet and the timing of that throw might have just been a tad bit off causing the miss. The point, the reason I'm criticizing him for it is because it has nothing to do with ability. Brock Purdy and all the other 32 NFL quarterbacks can make the throw to Debo Samuel and he can make the throw to Brandon Ayuk, right? It's not anything to do with his arm strong, not strong enough. He's not capable of doing it. He's fully capable of doing it. And I'm criticizing it because it didn't happen yesterday, but he should put those throws in his back pocket. I thought Sanchez did a good job of breaking down uh, Purdy's footwork and mechanics on that slant to Debo that he missed, how his right mm-hmm. foot was pointed too far to the right. right. Did he miss it? He missed it to the right. I thought that was good. Joe watching on YouTube says Sanchez would be listenable if he didn't power moan into the mic after every single play, always talking over the play by play guy. Yeah, he does this when there's about to be a good play. He goes, oh, which, like, I don't know. I don't hate. It's like, I, you know, it's so funny that Joe brings it up because you and me. When I called you this morning, like we started talking about Sanchez, we both agreed Sanchez was excellent. And then we were both like, wait, he could definitely stop doing that. That's kind of annoying. (laughs) And it's like a Romo, like excitable kid effect, except Sanchez is way more likable at this point than Romo on broadcast. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Romo, like he knows people like that. And he's like a character, whereas Sanchez is doing it because he's legitimately excited. If you're watching on the stream, I threw up the Brock Purdy pass chart. Does it? Worry you, freak you out at all that there's really nothing between 10 and 20 yards on the right side of the field, Vish? Or is that just, hey, that's sort of how it went in this game and it's nothing to worry about? Uh, well, I'm not 100% sure if there were available throws there that he didn't pass up, right? Right. And so that's where if, if there weren't available throws there that he didn't pass up, why would I be worried about it? Right. Just because exactly. there's a statistical correlation. Well, you know, some people say Brock Purdy can't throw to his right, especially deep. Oh, gosh, not this again. <laughs> I thought we talked about this last week. He threw the ball to Brandon Ayuk. Was it not deep? Was it not outside the numbers? I love Jim Everett, the troll in the chat, just constantly peppering things about Purdy. <laughs> Jim Everett, Purdy, 206 yards, missing throws, throwing ducks. I didn't think he threw any ducks in the game. Like you said, he never put the ball in harm's way at all. There was no turnover worthy play. It was either, you know, even the incompletions deep, there was no risk of that being intercepted. They were all overthrows. Um, So I didn't see any real ducks there, Jim, but I thought he managed the pocket too really well. Both quarterbacks in this game did as well, right? Everybody's going to say pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, but both of these quarterbacks were having inferior offensive linemen, going up against superior pass rushes. And in both cases, they were doing a great job of getting the ball out of their hands to negate that pressure. Guamanot says, if this was his floor, count me the hell in. That's the point. If this is the bad game where you still score 30, you still win, no turnovers, I'll take that every day of the week. Uh, I'm old Greg. Thank you for the super chat. Both sides of the ball didn't have a good game, but still got the win in week two. Also, Josh Allen has three picks and a fumble. Games at least two times a year. Also, Josh Allen has three interceptions in a fumble games at least two times a year, but he still gets crazy love. We got a stud. Uh, again, no, I'm- he gets crazy hate after those games. He gets crazy <laughs> love because he follows it up with the performance that he had yesterday. Which was fantastic. Yeah. Right. Highs and lows are a little different there with Josh Allen. I'm still, I still have people tweeting at me. Oh, are you you're going to say Brock Purdy's a franchise now? Do you believe now? No, I still don't believe. <laughs> again, I'm, my, my opinion on this is not going to change. Uh, but I am interested to see how he bounces back on Thursday, Vish, because he's straight. I mean, 
after the game, if you listen to Purdy, he talked about those incompletions. He took it himself. He said, they're my fault. I overthrew them. I got to clean it up. He strikes me as a guy who's got a lot of pride, and I think he's going to come back Thursday, and I think he's going to have a good game against the Giants. I do too. That's what seems to be the case with him. And the Niners didn't seem worried about any of it. And I like the fact that, look, Kyle Shanahan can defend his quarterbacks and not put the blame on them. And he did exactly that. That was cool to see. So I think they believe in Brock Purdy for sure. Um, It's just funny to me because it's almost like personal to people when they talk about him. It's like personal that they have to criticize him or it's like personal that they don't criticize him. And for me, watching that game, I, I don't know that he was particularly terrible But I also know that those are two touchdowns that he should have had. And I think it's fair to acknowledge, hey, every quarterback should be making those throws. And I think he would acknowledge the same. Um, The good thing is that the Niners are still 2-0. They won a divisional game on the road. And he did the number one thing that Niners quarterbacks tend to do in games where they're competing with a team they shouldn't be competing with, which is turn the ball over and give that team life. He never did that in this game. And he had a couple of key drives, right? The drive to end the half, that was a moment where the momentum could have slipped away from them, but then he re-seized the momentum by getting the quarterback sneak touchdown right before going into half. Then they had the sequence of events with Moody hitting the 57-yard field goal, which was really, really good and all of that. But then they had the drive. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't gloss over that. That was a huge play in the game, okay? It was a massive play. They get the interception, and they look like they're going to do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. And then they're 57 yards away, and Moody blasts it he through. It. Drill, and it was like not just barely over the crossbar. It was like halfway up the uprights, and that gives the 49ers a three-point lead in a game that was looking like it could be very, very close. Right. If he can't make that kick, they get nothing out of that interception. So let's go there, because to me, that's the entire sequence of events. Rams are driving, right? Another 13-14 play drive. Kyron Williams' ball bounces off his shoulder pad. All of a sudden... Isaiah Oliver looks up, the ball's right there. He picks it off. Nice play, Isaiah Oliver, okay? Then Moody blasts the 57-yard field goal. Then the Rams go three and out. First Mm -hmm. down, Tutu Atwell, great throw. Tutu Atwell, you got to get your second foot in. Doesn't get his second foot. Yes. Then second round, they blitz. Stafford's hot off the blitz, and he throws an out to Puka, and Puka has his one drop of the game where he juggles it straight up. And then on third and 10, Fred Warner gets the sack, which is kind of the big play of the game. And then that's where Brock Purdy has that moment because they go on that next drive and they win the game essentially there. First, the wide end to Debo off the motion that we talked about earlier and then leak to Juwan Jennings. on, And that was a nice play. And by the way, I wanted to mention something else specific to Shanahan because I thought he was terrific coaching throughout this game. But did you know after they called that leak play to Juwan Jennings in, I think it was with like 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter, there was not another offensive play called for any other football player other than Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. What? Yeah. The whole game? No, the last 13 minutes of the game. So the entire fourth quarter. Once they what? captured. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking at it now. I did not realize that. That's insane. Yeah. There were 14 minutes and 18 seconds left when Juwan Jennings caught that ball. And he just stuck with Debo and CMC the rest of the way. And to me, when there's been a coaching criticism levied at him, right, where sometimes it feels like Debo hasn't gotten the ball enough in moments, right? The 2021 NFC Championship game, for example, um, the 2019 Super Bowl, stuff like that. 
And I thought that was a great moment where Shanahan realized, hey, we have the advantage. I just got to keep pressing. I got to find different ways to get these two individuals the ball because those were the two individuals that were special in yesterday's game, in my opinion, and they closed it out for him. And then, of course, credit also to Juwan Jennings and Ronnie Bell because they blocked their butts off, especially because they kept calling that quick tunnel screen to Debo and the bubble. Jawan had a couple of good blocks. He had a block that helps bring uh, McCaffrey on the long run. He's he a did menace, well. dude. Kyle had his conference call earlier today, and uh-huh. he said he's got to get McCaffrey rest. McCaffrey played all 54 offensive snaps for the 49ers yesterday. That is, he can't have a 100% usage rate. But then when you say what you said down the stretch, that is wild. I did not realize that. Um yeah, I look for a healthy dose of Elijah Mitchell on Thursday. Why the hell not? Like, McCaffrey can play, but even yesterday down the stretch, Vish, I was wondering, like, why can't we put Mitchell in to burn the clock? Get the guy with the fresh legs in there to help kill this thing. Even, like, McCaffrey breaks off that long run, and then the next play, they go right back to McCaffrey. Like, damn, can Elijah Mitchell get in at least in that spot? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and... Was it asked finally in the conference call? Because, you know, it would have been a nice question to ask Shanahan after the game. It's not necessarily a critical question. It's simply inquiring because I think Elijah Mitchell is pretty good. And he's certainly not the kind of player you would expect to play zero stats in a game. And so, yeah, I think it is a relevant question. And I do think that he does deserve more carries. Because the number one thing with Christian McCaffrey is can they keep him fresh? Same with Debo. Both of those guys are freaking superstars, man. McCaffrey may be at a higher class than Debo, but they're both superstars. But can you keep them fresh when the games become meaningful um, for everybody else? And I, to me, that that's the big question. And the rate we're going with Christian McCaffrey, he might have his biggest season ever, but he might also not be fresh at the rate he's going because he's carrying them right now. Right. And he's great and amazing, and Shanahan knows how to use him, but there's just no reason to use him that much. Get him out of there when you're trying to kill the clock, especially. I think he got tired at the end of the game, and I can't really blame him. Um, And this was another kind of, this is related to that. So the Niners get the field goal to make it 30 to 20 after the second interception, which shout out the Amador Lenore, hell of a play by you. Really nice play. Second, really good play. Because he undercut the third and seven, or fourth. It was a fourth down to Puka and Kua. Same kind of thing. Stafford gets to the backside and he throws a sidearm flick. And I was like, oh, shit, because he completes that so much if you watch a lot of Stafford. And I, people know I watch a lot of Stafford. I like Stafford. And D'Amaro Lenore undercuts it. And what I thought was impressive, Rob, was he didn't interfere. Usually when corners undercut yeah. that route, they get their backhand wrapped around the receiver and they turn the receiver a little bit so that they can have a little leverage to get around and in front of the receiver. He doesn't interfere with the receiver with his backhand at all, and he just uses pure athleticism to get around and break it up. So two really, really good plays undercut and backside in breaking routes from him. So the Niners get the ball back after the turnover on downs. They're up 30 to 20. They're at the Rams 38-yard line, and I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's just gain a few more yards. We'll kick another field goal, and we're going to be looking damn good here. And McCaffrey starts it off with a six-yard gain, and you're like, awesome. And then they give it to CMC again. Penalty. Charlie Warner holding back 10 yards. McCaffrey gains two yards. Third and 12. Debo runs for nine yards. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. We're kicking the field goal again. Nope. Jawan Jennings. Illegal crackback block. 15-yard penalty. Move him back again. McCaffrey gained three yards on third and 25. And then they had to punt again. 
And it was like, damn, man, I would like would have liked to have seen them do something with that. But the penalties, the Niners have had 17 penalties in the first two weeks of the season for 142 yards on the season. So that's something that they could definitely clean up. Oh, 100%. But I feel like early season penalties for them are pretty common. I think the difference is there weren't particularly brutal penalties this time. If you remember last year, it would be like they would have a good sequence of offensive plays. They would get to the other teams, you know, into like field goal territory around the 30, the 20 of the other team, maybe a little before the red zone. And it would be first and 10. They would run it. They would have a holding penalty. And then first and 20 from that moment, their offense is playing for the field goal and they're screwed and they're out of that situation. They've had a lot of penalties in the last two games but they haven't had that many of those kinds of penalties. They only had one real bad holding call last or this week early in the game that did exactly what I just described. And I think that was the drive that Brandon Ayuk had the catch that wasn't a catch that ended up yep. in a Moody field goal. By the way, while we're on Moody, another credit to him, even though he kicked the ball out of bounds, oh, he made the one he made the, <laughs> he made the one field goal falling. That yeah. was impressive. That was impressive cuz I played soccer it's very difficult to kick a ball if your plant leg slips as you're mm-hmm. going to kick it. And he drilled that field goal while also, you know, slipping and falling, which sucked. But I thought, luckily. hey, this guy's maybe something. It was only a 26-yarder, but yeah, luckily he did it. And I'm just going to say this. Uh, Josh Dubow, the AP, had this stat, and I loved it. There have only been five kickers in the history of the NFL to make six or more field goals and six or more PATs without a miss in their first two career games. And one of those five is Jake Moody, who, by the way, was drafted in the third round. Because I feel like, you know, when he misses, people always point out he was drafted in the third round. So I'm going to point it out when he's been perfect on the year, a 57-yard bomb. So he's done something that only five other kickers in the history of the NFL have ever done. He has the longest uh, field goal by a rookie in 49ers history and the second longest 49ers field goal ever, by the way. Wow. Yeah. Only David Akers wow, had, that's, a, Akers yeah. had a three-yarder, and that was it. Versus Green Bay, week one, 2013. Flipped over the post. Yep. So not a bad start for Jake Moody, who took a lot of crap in the preseason. Yeah. Really good start for him, actually. It's been money. He hasn't even really had a lot of close calls. Most of his kicks are right down the friggin' middle, man. I love yeah. it. Yeah. He, by the way, he drilled the 57-yarder. You're right. I did gloss over a little too much. Mm-hmm. That was impressive. That was impressive. So, yeah, Alberto says Kyle looked happy when he hit that 57-yarder. How about Kyle, first of all, too? I thought, like, maybe he'd be bringing Moody in more to, to kick it instead of going for it on fourth down. Kyle could have kicked a field goal at the end of the second quarter. He absolutely could have. He would have been, okay, you know, we got the field goal. We're in good shape. No. One second left. He goes QB sneak with Purdy. I loved it. It sucked any momentum that the Rams had going into halftime right out of their sails because the Niners scored the touchdown, tied it up, and I thought it was great by Shannon. And he has definitely been more aggressive early this season, and the Niners have benefited, benefited from it both times. I was thinking only of you, Rob, when he went for it on fourth. <laughs> yes. This is what you have done in my life. You live rent free. Anytime a coach goes for it in fourth down, I hear your voice in my head. Good. Kyle Shannon needs to freaking go for it on fourth down. Look at the, the friggin' Jags screwed it up against the Chiefs. They had a perfect opportunity. They had fourth and goal from the four yard line down eight points against the Chiefs, and they kicked a field goal. Doug yeah, Peterson they went Matt LaFleur. What, what they went Matt LaFleur. Go for 
it. And I love that Kyle has, and I loved his, he talked about it afterwards and he was just like, I thought we were going to need the points, which is like, yes, that's, that's exactly the kind of game it was shaping up to be. The field goals are failures, man. I loved it. And plus the momentum shift in the half, like how good do you think the Rams would have felt if they went into yep. the buzzer 17-10? Then oh, yeah. all of a sudden in three plays, the Niners turned into 17-17. The, the tunnel screen to Debo, or no, I think that was a bubble, but they threw a bubble to Debo. Oh, yeah. That was a big play, but Debo, why did you not go out of bounds? That was probably a coaching point in terms of clock management. Then stat or while we're on Sanchez, I don't want to compliment Sanchez too much, but he did a really nice job breaking down the play to Juwan Jennings. One, showing how early and how much anticipation yes. Purdy threw that football with, but then two, showing how Purdy ID'd the free rusher and created space and time for him to be able to make that throw. Two really, really nice moments for him to highlight of a quarterback that is playing good football at the moment. And so, yeah, I, I did really like Sanchez. I think Sanchez was the best part of the game. If we could get rid of <laughs> Daryl Johnston for life on Niners games, Maybe get a couple of Schlereths in between because I do love when he goes, Kyle yeah. Shanahan, <laughs> man. There's a, he runs the ball that. like his daddy. There's a lot you can learn when Mark Schlereth calls a 49er. You know I love to pick out these little nuggets from the broadcast. Mm -hmm. Did you notice they said that Brock Purdy goes to the line of scrimmage every play with a, quote, menu of plays in his head to choose from, not just yeah. two? I yeah. thought that was Where's fascinating. That? That's Because that ain't easy, that. man. No, that's not easy, and that's a little bit different from when we heard that the fullback needed to help the other two quarterbacks line up. Yeah, and was calling out things, too. Uh, a mysterious manatee, thanks for the super chat, says, who is the worst trade, Lance or Russell Wilson? Uh, Russell Wilson. At least Russell Wilson threw a Hail Mary at the end of the game last night to give him a chance. No, it's Russ only because of the contract tied with Russ. Both are pretty That's terrible, but they're not. The Broncos are basically in an unmovable situation because they just have the albatross. That's the contract of a quarterback. That's just not good. Eighty-five million. Yeah. Woo. And the, and it's just the vibes. The vibes of like Russell Wilson when you're losing and he's not playing bad. That positivity yeah. just comes across as so disingenuous and so fake that it just leads to just greater vitriol, I feel like, towards your organization. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Can we talk about the defense a little bit? Because I want to change it up. Uh, a lot of people, Vish, after the game yesterday were very critical of Nick Bosa. Oh, he doesn't have any sacks. He's not doing anything. Nick Wagner just had a tweet. Bosa was double teamed on 37% of his pass rush attempts, which was down from week one. 
Uh, and I said that I thought that the reason Bosa hasn't looked as good is because in this game, especially Stafford is dropping back and he's letting the ball rip super fast. And the Niners were in soft zone coverage it for was, most of the first half. That plus they did. If you notice really early in the game, they kept shifting his launch point. So what's Bosa rushing to? Because they would half roll him out to the right, half roll him yeah. out to the left, a full naked to the right, full naked to the left. They kept shifting his launch point to create a little bit of time and space. And then, dude, the decisions he was making, how quickly he was getting to where he needed to throw, how quickly yeah. he was throwing it. Like sometimes a quarterback is really, really good and he neutralizes your defense. And that's what was happening. It was just a moment of, hey, the defense didn't have answers because the quarterback was playing at such a high level. Yeah, I, I didn't want to bang on Bosa too much. I think he was rusty. I think that was part of it. He said as much after the game mm -hmm. that he needed a couple of games to get his body into shape. But I also just think it was a combination of Stafford's getting the ball out quick and the Niners were in soft zone for much of the first half. Uh, and so that's a yeah. combination to neutralize a pass rush pretty quickly. To me, to me, the only question mark at defense is that we might have a 2021 situation where the Niners started 2-0, but they didn't know who their three was at corner and Josh Norman played snaps and Drake Kirkpatrick played snaps and Dante Johnson finished the year playing snaps and Ambry Thomas ended up starting snaps at the end of the year because I let me tell you something. They said watch the film for week one, Ambry Thomas, Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Go watch the film, Ambry Thomas, Pittsburgh, week one. If you know something about the Niners defense, you'll understand that he busted quite a few assignments. Okay, he busted those assignments and they gave Isaiah Oliver guaranteed money. Oliver was, I guess, fine versus Pittsburgh. He was nothing to write home at. After all of that, they came back this week and started Ambry Thomas again. What does that tell you about what they think of Isaiah Oliver? Isaiah Oliver has not had a strong start. By the way, I want to get this super chat in. I'm old. Greg says, thank baby Jesus. It wasn't Joe Buck and Troy Aikman announcing. Uh, Aikman's not my favorite guy. Um, I like Buck and Aikman. Aikman loves the Niners. Ugh, he awesome. loves Debo. He loves Kyle Shanahan. He also loves his Cowboys, so God help you when they play the Cowboys. But getting back to the Isaiah Oliver thing, I think another sort of multiple things are true situation, right? Isaiah Oliver did not have his best game, but also made some key plays in this mm -hmm. game. You mentioned the interception he got. I hate to bring it up, but we've seen 49ers DBs drop easy interceptions against the Rams. So he actually caught the ball. That drive before that, he had a nice tackle and open space to stop the Rams defender from getting a first down, which that was the first possession the Niners stopped the Rams all day. So that felt like a much bigger play. And then at the end of the game on fourth and short, the Rams ran the ball. By, by the way, it was more important because he he missed the tackle on Kyron Williams twice earlier coming down <laughs> to make that tackle earlier in the game. Let's mention that as well while we're on it. Right. Including like, one where Kyron Williams is on the ground. He gets back up and Isaiah Oliver still can't bring him to the ground. Yeah. Like I said, not a perfect game by any stretch, but uh, he did make some big plays. He was blitzed at that fourth down play, fourth and short. He blew it up. He didn't make the tackle. Bosa still had to make the tackle, but uh, Oliver slowed the runner so much that the rest of the Niners defense closed in. So Yeah, so specifically on that play, I did say I thought he run blitzed. He didn't run blitz. They're just playing Tampa 2, so he's just responsible for the B-gap as the hook curl defender. Um, and he triggers quickly, which was very, very good. But dude, he had Kyron Williams dead to rights and he whiffed. What he is this? Whiffed um, on the tackle. Brother Bob says, Vish, I'm hungover from the game. Need your bong. Dude, he's not pissed off, Brother Bob, anymore. It's good to have you back, normal Brother Bob. Um, <laughs> How could you be mad I, after two wins? That is true. Well, Brother Bob was upset at me because I had the 
very, very incorrect prediction going into the Pittsburgh game. And Brother Bob was right to let me know how wrong I was because Brother Bob said 37-13, if I remember correctly, before that game. Wow. So brother, so if you're if you're looking for picks on games, talk to my man brother Bob. Not pissed off, brother Bob. He that guy, that guy can be a little bit upset, but normal right. brother Bob is he's a can't get brother Bob when he's too emotional. Uh exactly. We should be praising Steve Wilkes for his halftime adjustments. Saquon Barkley is out this Thursday. Well, Ayuk suit up, biggest weak link on the offense and defense. What midseason trade would you make to fix it? Well, you got your money's worth in that one, Gammon. Uh, first off, yes. I think that the 49ers did make adjustments at halftime. Steve Wilkes went with a lot more blitzing after half. They needed it. It it worked when Stafford was rushed at all. He was not nearly the same quarterback. So, yes, praise Steve Wilkes for that. They basically shut the Rams down after halftime. So we should give him some flowers there, Vish. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. And he's doing it again. They, I don't think they have three corners they can trust. I think they feel like with both Ambry Thomas and Isaiah Oliver, there's some assignment bust. Now they have 17 weeks to figure it out, but I don't like, it's not the same situation with their offensive line where two guys aren't playing so great, but they seem to trust them to execute their assignments. In this particular case, I don't think there's a lot of trust in either of those players. So to make adjustments and still find ways to make get your defense to play at a level to close out that football game. Yeah, I do think Wilkes deserves credit. I saw him getting a lot of criticism, and it feels a lot like when people were criticizing D'Amico Ryans for not doing (laughs) a lot with Josh Norman and Drake Kirkpatrick. Like, what do you want him to do? Nick Wagner had to tweet, uh, 71% of the snaps the Niners were in zone on Sunday. They allowed 213 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, and a 59.2 QBR. In almost 30% of the snaps in man, Niners allowed just 84 yards on 16 attempts, one pick, and a 38.5 QBR. And Nick also adds, a lot of the plays in man, the 49ers were also blitzing, which led Mm -hmm. to pressure. But again, that's a good adjustment by Wilkes. I was happy to see it. Uh, Shanahan told Laura Oakman at halftime, like, we're playing too soft. We got to get up on these guys. And and they made the adjustment. So credit there. Impressed. Yes, which thank God, because I don't need to see Nakua get a free release off the line for a drag route for like 15 yards. Uh, Gammon also asked Saquon Barkley is out this Thursday. We don't know. Uh, Brian Dable said he's hopeful. It is not a high ankle sprain for Saquon Barkley, which is good news because I don't want anyone to be hurt for a long period of time ever. I don't care if they're playing the nine. Wait, he's not. hopeful. I thought, I thought he was carted off. He was, he, it looked bad, but, uh, it's not a high ankle sprain. It's a regular ankle sprain. And so he said he's hopeful, but he doesn't know. So, well, but he's not going to be a hundred percent regardless. Uh, well, I, you freak. Jeez. Yes. Well, I, you suit up. That is a good question because I was thinking maybe take Ayuk out of the game yesterday because he looked like he was really laboring and struggling. I was saying take him out so you can either play him Thursday or if you don't play him Thursday, then you give him a nice long break to recover because clearly the offense looked a little different without Ayuk out there. So I don't know if he's going to suit up. Kyle didn't have an injury update today because his conference call was so early in the day. So we still don't really know. Okay. I so I agree with you. It looked like Ayuk early after he got banged up, he was laboring, but then he came back in the second half and he had that one catch and all that. And he didn't seem to be favoring his what was it like left arm, neck area, whatever. Left shoulder. Yeah. He didn't seem to be favoring it as much. Now that's just my naked eye interpretation as I'm watching the game. But uh I I did watch it again today in the morning and I had the same feeling. So maybe Ayuk is okay, but Ayuk seemed like he was hell bent on playing yesterday. 
And yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if he finds a way to get himself on the field on Thursday either. He seems like a guy that's just motivated this year to have that kind of year. Yeah. Contract year, baby. Keep him on the field. Uh, can't get paid from the training room. Anacat says, just here for my weekly support for my favorite show. Thank you Let's very go. much for the super chat. We appreciate that. Thank By the way, you. if you want to support the show, become a YouTube channel member for less than $3 a month. You get priority comment response, custom emojis, membership badges. Shout out to all the YouTube channel members here. Really appreciate your support. Literally could not do this without you. So, Dude, you're still not adding a follow on Twitter from Rob Guerrera to it. Do you understand sure. what a big deal it is to get a follow from okay. you? You got like 40K followers, dude. All right. No, I don't have 40,000 followers. I've got like 18,000 followers. But Okay, okay. But he's like followed by Kay Adams. He goes on with Kay Adams. He goes on ESPN. He's sometimes right. too busy to do the show with me because he's on ESPN oh, radio. Oh, that is crap. I'm always here. You're the one that's begging off the shows. Not me. I'm here every day, baby. Lunch pail in it. But fine. <laughs> I'll add it in. I'll give you a follow on Twitter if you become a YouTube channel member. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, we Sometimes got I go check your profile to make sure that it, my, your profile still says follows you for me, just because that's a big follow. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I consider unfollowing you. Not gonna, no, I'm just kidding. Shio <laughs> uh, Dude says, is Fred Warner more valuable to the defense than Nick Bosa? That is a fair question. And I, I've said this this past week. With Warner now, it's getting to the point where you almost have to judge him like a defensive back, where you have to judge him because of the plays that don't happen the plays he prevents because of his presence more so than the plays that actually do occur because he's that freaking good. Yeah. I think, I think this is a real, this is kind of like a, who's more valuable to the O2 bucks, Derek Brooks or Warren Sapp yeah. question, but yeah, he's dude, he's, 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 I think he's playing at the highest level he's played and that's scary because he's played at such a high level. He is hitting too. Oh my God. He is hitting. <laughs> And he had a couple of tackles yesterday. There was one on Kyron Williams where he meets him at like five yards and he just undercuts him and he whacks him. Kyron Williams was going to go for like 35 on that play. They had it blocked up. And then this kamikaze missile comes flying in <laughs> out of nowhere and just drags him to the ground. He is, dude, he is unbelievable. He is so good. And I love that they're blitzing him more. He had a huge sack, the only sack of the day on Stafford. And the crazy thing about that is he screams through the line and Stafford pump fakes and Warner jumps, but then he still lands on Stafford. Like normally when you jump, you're out of the play. And it was like, no, actually, he just threw his body at Matt Stafford and made the sack. Yeah. That was a huge sack. And then Sanchez had that, okay, oh, dude. We're complimenting Sanchez a little too much here, but he also had that nice thing where he pointed out when they're in that double A gap look, and Warner's right on top of the line with the overload front so that they can create the five one-on-ones. Um, he showed how Warner was just doing a little okey-doke to see where the center would move, see where protection would shift, and just come through the other gap. And he did that effectively a couple of times. He's Yeah, you're right. He is at a level. He has definitely taken it up another notch, which is crazy. Brother Bob is back. He says, yeah, Vish is my guy again. Screw pissed off, Brother Bob. See, you're converting <laughs> people, Vic. What Abraham Lincoln said, the Vic. best way to destroy my enemies is to uh, make them my friends. I, I didn't even know Brother Bob and I had beef, but mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm his guy again. I didn't know I wasn't his guy. Brother Bob's always been my guy. Even pissed off, Brother Bob. Chris Maldonado, YouTube channel member, says Warner is the truth on the field. Big facts. He's a He's a freak, man. He's just, it's uncrazy. He can carry CD lamb in the slot. He can blitz Matt Stafford and sack people him and Greenlaw. Greenlaw got a stupid penalty. That was a bad call, dude. Like conduct. 
But like, he's got to realize, I feel like officials are going to have their eyes on him because he always walks that line. You can't does he do really that. though? Like, yes, he does. He's out there punching people sometimes. Fish. Okay, okay, that one time. But I, I mean, when we're talking about players that are like over the line and all of that, I'm thinking of like Richie Incognito, the guys who take or any Jeff Fisher team, because any <laughs> Jeff Fisher team they always shove right yeah. at the whistle, right after the whistle to create that. That's not ever what Dre Greenlaw does. He's not like a guy instigating. He's just a guy who plays. 200 miles an hour when sometimes he only needs to play a hundred and that 200 miles an hour leads to him unnecessarily hitting somebody. But I, I thought yesterday that was some, that was some soft BS man. So let's uh, quickly look ahead to Thursday. Cause it's coming up pretty damn fast. If Saquon Buckley, let's just assume he plays, but he won't be at hundred percent. The giants looked absolutely oh, miserable. Wait, come on, wait, come on. We got to highlight one more play. Oh, okay. Sorry. Before go ahead. we get there. The Drake Jackson, Early in the game, he peels off the screen. They they beat him on the call. They beat the blitz. They had a screen. That's a touchdown to Puka and Kua. And Drake Jackson, which has been the hallmark of him to me the last couple of weeks, athleticism and effort, that's all that yes. play was. Effort and athleticism. He runs him down. It's kind of a freaky play, too, given that he's a line player. And he runs him down. He makes the tackle. That would have been a touchdown. He is really good in space for a guy, especially as big as he is. He had a play uh, in early in the game too, where Stafford rolls left kind of like a half bootleg play and he peels off his block, jumps up, tips the pass. Like mm -hmm. he's great at getting his hands up into the passing lanes. He can move. I'm always amazed at how much he can move for a guy his size. Uh, yeah, no, he's, he's definitely doing some things out there that are special things. You know, last week, you know how we talked about, well, his sacks for Eric Armstead did this and he was yep, able to yep. peel off and he did a good job with his rush level and all of those things. Dude, his speed and the fact that he does such a good, his motor is so high. He's still learning to me, like the techniques of playing. Like I think yes. his ceiling is only going to be realized next year and the year after that. But the fact that he's able to contribute with his sheer athleticism right now is a huge deal. And he's going to make a difference for them running down these quarterbacks. Now, I know Stafford isn't fast. Pickett isn't slow, though. Pickett's reasonably athletic. But Jackson's speed off of their defensive line and the effort he has, he's going to run down a lot of different people. And that's going to help their overall team speed and help them with mobile quarterbacks a lot. Well, okay. That's a perfect transition because guess who they're facing in four days or three days, really? Daniel Jones. Mobile, super mobile quarterback. Like, I feel like he doesn't get enough respect for how mobile he is because he's white. Dude can flat out move, man. Yeah, and that's Daniel Jones is really Giants. athletic. Yeah. Half the Giants offense. Uh, Saquon banged up. Not going to be 100%. What are we What are we thinking for this week against the Giants? How do you think they're going to play Daniel Jones? How do you think the Niners are going to look? I think the Niners are going to look good, man. They look, there's a different motivation to the team. And, I, dude, to me, Shanahan is just... Like, I feel like Shanahan is in a different zone this year. It's like 2019 where he's just in this, like, whatever needs to be done to win this game, Terminator, like, I'm going to get it done and I'm going to do it. And, like, there's like a – he seems to also be very at peace with how he's calling the game where there doesn't seem to be anything affecting his thought process. He is just calling what he feels right in that moment. And right now he's been money. I think they're going to steamroll the Giants. The Giants are reeling. The Giants had to win a game on the road that they didn't necessarily have to make that difficult, but they made it really difficult. The Giants have issues with basically their entire offensive line besides <laughs> Andrew Thomas. The Giants' defensive line, other than two big MFers inside who are going to give the Niners issues, they their edge play is still 
growing and developing Ojolari and Thibodeau are still very young players. And then Wink Martindale is going to blitz and Wink Martindale is going to do crazy shit, but that means the Niners are going to get a lot of big plays against them too. Well, you would think, but Brock's got to also hit the passes when those opportunities present themselves. True. Gammon says, everyone's up in arms over how much Christian McCaffrey's overutilized because that could lead to injury. The crowd isn't as loud for Ayuk, who is injured. Yeah, there's a difference, though. The difference, Gammon, is that Ayuk is a wide receiver. They typically play most of the snaps in the game, and they're not taking the pounding that running backs are taking. That's the difference is the position that the two play. Am I wrong, Bish? Yeah, but also Ayuk kind of was just disappearing in that game. It's not like they were trying to just go to Ayuk every play once Ayuk got banked up. They were going to CMC and Debo. We just talked about it, right? The last 15 minutes of the game was CMC Debo, CMC Debo, CMC Debo, CMC Debo, CMC Debo. Yeah. I haven't seen anybody point that out. Gammon says our white quarterback is more athletic. You didn't watch my post game. How rude. So I was a little busy doing my own post game. Oh, okay. Okay. I forget. (laughs) Uh, No, Brock Purdy is not more athletic than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is really freaking athletic. Like really. He's one of the best running quarterbacks in the league right now. He's huge too. He's huge too. Yeah. Huge. I think you're going to see a lot of scram. Get ready for the Niners struggle against mobile quarterbacks trope to come out on Thursday because it will, even though every team kind of struggles against mobile quarterbacks. Drake Jackson's fixing that. That'd be interesting. He's going to run him down. Also, you know who looked good too? Mr. Javon Kinlaw had yeah. a really nice pass bat down, and he looked pretty decent in the snaps he played. They and had him in there with Bosa quite a bit. Four pressures for Javon, uh, for Javon Kinlaw. Maybe this is exactly the role he needed, right? Fewer snaps, not a starter, part of the rotation. He can come in and be fresher and good. That's exactly why you, I mean, he was a first round pick for a reason. Agreed. Agreed. Just wanted to shout him out, Rob. Sorry. No, I'm not, you don't have to be sorry. That's fine. Um, home opener too for the 49ers on Thursday. I believe, aren't they wearing the throwbacks? They got to, right? I think they are wearing the throwback. Is it the white? I like, so I like the Giants white color rush. They're old school white unis. I think that's one of the cleanest unis in the sport. And I love the Niners throwback 94 red. If those, if that's, if that's the uniform matchup, like that stuff I create in Madden. Oh yeah, totally. I love the, you know, the throwback to like the 89, 90 Giant 49er wars. Um, I'm going to, I'm trying to see if really quick, I'm 99% sure the Niners are wearing the, uh, the throwback reds. It looks like they are wearing the white throwbacks in week three. So there you go. You get the giants on the helmet, Vish, you'll get everything you like. You're not listening to me. Let's go. Let's go. No, no. I was looking it up exactly as you were saying it to see if they were going to be saying it. Cause I, I love those uniforms. Uh, I'm old. Greg says this defense will destroy Vanilla Vic on Thursday. Vanilla Vic Vic is a hilarious nickname. <laughs> yeah, Vanilla Vic is pretty funny. Look, I thought he was going to take some steps this offseason. The week one game was pretty terrible for him. I haven't seen their Cardinals game yet, but yeah, it doesn't look good for him. I think he's terrible. Uh, by the way, before we go, I want to get to this. Somebody on Twitch said, uh, Farsh and Chip, uh, Farsh and Chops says, this is really crazy, but that guy on the right, I'm pretty sure we went to high school together. Oh, is am I the guy on the right in this case? Yes. Oh, very cool. Nequa Valley High School, Naperville, Illinois. There That's you go. I went. You've got fans. 
Um, is there any? I, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he said that he's a fan. I think he just said he went to high school with me. That he random guy. Man. I I I went to high school with four thousand different people. So, oh, never mind. Yeah, they didn't go there. We've got an update on the story. Crisis averted. Uh, brother Bob is back. Fish, you're killing it today. I oh, love the black you. jersey, dude. The black jersey is the worst. The worst 49ers jersey of all time is the black jersey. You don't like it. That's crazy. I, I used to think the black was so clean. And the first time they wore it and they blew out Minnesota, yeah, and Carlos right. Hyde did that thing. Spin, yeah. And Trent Dilfer was like, welcome to the Jim Tom Sula era. <laughs> exactly. And Kurt Warner had fixed uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick's mechanics and all of that. Remember that? Ooh. What a time to be alive. Brisby Life says all black jerseys are terrible. Not all black jerseys. If your regular jersey is black, it's good. Raiders, Dude, I Steelers. I, I used to I still love the Saints. When they go all black in the dome with the bad. black pants and the gold, I think it looks really, really cool. I And Drew Brees looked good. Like, he, he fit the Saints profile for, like, that uniform. Like, he made it. And Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. But Reggie Bush looked good and or cool in all the uniforms. Yeah, he he's just swag. Uh, I actually, yeah. the best Saints jerseys to me are the all whites with the gold numbers and the yes. gold helmet. Yes, that's Those by cool. far the best. That's I think that's like it's a it's a it's a mid tier in terms of the top tier uniforms in the sport. It's not the Giants Niners that we talked about, but it's it's a very very good uniform set. The Niners, if you go look at like historic uni matchups, the Niners are in a lot of them. Like Niners Cowboys is a great uniform matchup with the Niners Reds and the Cowboys White. That's an all-time uni matchup. The throwback, but the old school, the old school Cowboys unis are way better, right? With the white with the blue sleeves, star on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that's way better than the new like that. I don't like the new blue and silver that they wear. But the only thing I like about Dallas is that they wear their white jerseys at home because I like the Niners home better than they're away so i like when yeah. they wear their red steve m says is brock's arm fatigue are we worried about the short week i don't think brock has arm fatigue um i certainly didn't look fatigued yesterday his problem was that he was throwing the ball too far not not that it was fatigued I'm, i have no worries about brock's arm do you no i i don't really have worries about Brock like we can criticize Brock on a week-to-week basis for what he does we can compliment him for what he doesn't do but the thing about Brock is that he seems to be the same guy regardless of what we say what happens in the game or whatever he seems to have like when we talk about well what are Brock Purdy's strengths and we take it away from football it seems that his personality his ability to deal with the ups and downs not get too high not get too low be the same person every time these are some of the things that seem to really make the Niners so have so much belief in him. And so I think that's part of it. And so I don't worry about him in those cases because I do think we've already seen glimpses of that where he's been the exact same guy he was last year, even though his role on this team is very different from last year. Last year, he was the relief pitcher, was the rookie quarterback coming out of nowhere, seventh round pick. It was a great story. This year, they put the full expectations that you're the franchise quarterback on him while he was returning from injury. And he's more or less been the exact same human being. And so... I, I'm not ever worried about Brock per se, because it seems like personality wise, he's always going to get himself back to the point that he's going to play well or decent. Yeah. Steve continues. It looks like he was overcompensating or the arm was sore. I, I don't know that I agree with that. I will say An interesting take. I'll I think, go that, see. I, I think that Brock 
understands how he needs to be successful. Like he throws with so much anticipation because he knows, especially on the deeper throws, he's got to throw it at a certain time. Otherwise he misses his window. And I think he right. gets, he understands the way he needs to play. He throws with a lot of an- anticipation on a lot of passes. Um, I just every week again, he just makes me feel more and more comfortable, especially this week. The fact that he didn't even come close to putting the ball in harm's way. Cause this is a good, um, point that Chris Sims made on his podcast. Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator for the Rams, knows Kyle Shanahan's system because Raheem Morris was a wide receivers coach under Shanahan in mm-hmm. Atlanta with the Falcons. He's so, who Shanahan originally wanted to hire in 2017 as his defensive coordinator, but Dan Quinn blocked him. So they, you know, he knows Shanahan pretty well. And so the fact that number one, Kyle could still put up 30 points on a guy that knows his system like few other defensive coordinators in the league. And then number two, that Brock would never put the ball in jeopardy against that guy. That's very encouraging. Yeah, I agree. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. The, I think your point is absolutely right. But um, it it's just one of those things that I think that everybody was expecting the Niners to pull them out. And in some ways, I was too. And I guess we didn't realize, hey, the Rams are really well coached. They have a really good quarterback. And if the game, they can manage the game script a certain kind of way, they'll keep themselves within it because the quarterback is so good and the coaches are so good. And that's kind of what happened. And that's where I feel like instead of being disappointed, we should be impressed that the 49ers on a divisional game on the road were Mm -hmm. able to find and do whatever it takes to win that game, right? I don't think we give enough credence to that larger picture. I was was on with the coach yesterday for my post game and he started off talking about that and I think that shouldn't be lost in all of this division games in the NFL are hard regardless of opponent especially division games on the road especially division games on the road that are close football games and the fact that the Niners found a way to pull that off is an impressive win regardless of the sloppiness within how they played football within the 60 minutes of yesterday when you get into a place where you're complaining because your wins are not by enough points Take a step back and realize you are in a very good place. And it's a place well, that in San Francisco we haven't always been. I think a lot of people are complaining because they had Niners minus eight and a half and Sean <laughs> McVay had Rams covering. By the way, it's uh, as Patel points out in the chat, Niners are favored by 10 and a half points on Thursday. 10 and a half points. That's a, that's a hell of a lot of points. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a massive line. And I don't think anybody's going to be touching Giants. Still, I wouldn't. That's for, I mean, the Giants allowed 60 points and scored zero in the first six quarters of the season. They were outscored 60 to nothing. And then all of a sudden the Cardinals turned back into the Cardinals and the Giants came back and won, which is to their credit. Um, let's get in one more super chat here. Brother Bob says would have blown them out if Brock Purdy hit those open wide receivers. Yes, true. We know, true. but he didn't. And they still put up 30. Give me the quarterback that can still get his team to 30 points when he misses two touchdown passes on the field. I'll sign up for that. Uh, Talking Head says, this is overly complicated. It was a bad game for Purdy. It was. Those are lost touchdowns. If that's his bad game, that's pretty good. He can have a bad game. Purdy also struggled in college with the deep ball. Mm, that's fair. The, yeah, I want. I don't know if he can throw a deep ball because the Niners don't do it that often. It certainly didn't look like it yesterday, but it could have just been one bad game. So that's something that we're going to have to learn about Brock. Maybe he just doesn't have that in his back. I'm, I don't know. 
by the way, I don't know that him completing the two yesterday would have told us he had a deep ball. Those are wide open. Those are every quarterback in the NFL has to be able to uh, hit those. He did. And he was a little salty about it after. Like he kind of tried to dismiss it and then they followed up and then he kind of took the, you know, well, I got to hit those. But yeah, I think he was, he was pissed about it. I think he was. Uh, KB, thank you for the super chat. I love your channel. When you add, when you and Vish hook up, it's amazing. Can you both tell Grant to stop hating so much? (laughs) Grant, Grant was in a little bit of a zone yesterday for sure. I just, Oh, was he? At least on Twitter, but that's tough to tell sometimes. Cause he's always kind of like that. I just, I never want to take these wins for granted. This is the second longest winning streak in team history. And we're talking about the 49ers here, the five Super Bowl championship 49ers team of the eighties, 49ers. And this right now is the second longest winning streak in team history. That's pretty damn amazing. Yeah, that's actually incredible. And then looking forward, they get this kind of mini buy after yes. the giants game, which is perfect. Then you play Arizona at home and then you play Dallas at home. So that you got a nice home stand and home stretch. This is an ideal start for the 49ers season so far. And it seems like knock on wood, they're also relatively healthy with this start. So, yeah. Can I just say this before we go to, mm-hmm. could the Cowboys have gotten a more pillowy soft start of the season in their schedule? Giants week one, Jets week two, Cardinals week three. Like, could we make the Cowboys defense look any better with those three cupcakes to start the year i mean they're good don't get me wrong dallas's defense is phenomenal they're really good this good (laughs) no i agree with you and plus it was jets with zach wilson right if it was jets with aaron Rodgers, then okay that's a tough test for them but then they got the zach wilson jets the one thing i will say is i think the niners are in a better position because they had to go through a game like yesterday i don't think dallas is going to go through that until they play the 49ers where it's competitive Not everything you're doing is going right. The other team is somehow hanging around. It's a close game. How are we going to close it out? How are we going to find a way to win that game? To me, it was impressive that the Niners actually got the opportunity to go through that and pull it out within their division rather than Dallas. Where game one, everything that can go wrong goes wrong for the Giants. And Dallas is somewhat the beneficiary and the cause of it. They caused a lot of the mayhem, but they also, you know, benefited from it. And then Yesterday, I mean, dude, the Jets can't even call an offense with Zach Wilson at quarterback. (laughs) It's really bad. Like, they call the game terrified of Zach Wilson. And the only people that Zach Wilson scares are the people on his own team because he's so bad. I'm old Greg says, Grant's definitely an S&M guy. All right, that seems to be a little weird. We don't really need to get into that. But anyway, Vish, thank you so much for the time. I didn't mean to take up so much of your day. It's a great to review another 49er win, the 12th straight regular season win. And uh, it's it's going to be a fun season, Vish. As long as they don't have any major, major injuries, I think we're going to be reviewing wins a lot of the time. I hope. I can't wait. I love doing this show with you. I love doing it after a victory Monday. I love when you wear that shirt. Um, I, I do like when you wear that shirt. I feel like you should wear it more. So let's hope that you're wearing it for the next what, 20, 24 Mondays? Let's hope, baby. Uh, like and subscribe to the channel. Like and subscribe to Vish's YouTube channel where this show is also streaming. Just search Vish Kumaran on YouTube. It pops right up. Make sure you like and subscribe. And as always, rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. And if you want one of these shirts, the shirt I'm wearing, the shirt Vish is wearing, which Vish, if you stand up for a second, yeah, there we go. We can see that. Just click the link to homage in the description of this episode, whether you're watching on YouTube or podcast or whatever. 
Just click that link. It'll take you right to the 49ers page. You can get awesome stuff. All their shirts are super, super comfortable. So if you want it, it is all there for you. Vish, everybody, have a good Monday. We'll talk to you next week.